Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by International Boxing Hall of Famer, Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good, Ken. It's good to see you. Um, how's the waves? <laughs> the waves are always good in Southern California. Yeah. The, the, uh, what's the surface way of saying it? Uh, surf, I guess. How's, how's the surf? Surf's up. Yeah, surf's up. Surf's up. <laughs> hey, listen. Um, thank God you're okay. I see those scrapes on your nose. I I know what happened. There they are. And um, you didn't get into a fight, but um, you, thank God, are okay after taking a fall on your bike. Yep. I fell off my mountain bike. It happens to everyone. I tell everyone who wants to come mountain bike riding for the first time or get into mountain bike riding. Mountain bike riders have either fallen down or are going to fall down. It's inevitable. This was a, a bad one, but I'm okay. Landed on my face. Not my finest moment, but thank God, no serious injuries. Yeah, thank God you're okay. All kidding aside, we're, yeah. we're th yeah. thankful that you're okay. And, you know, it reminds me of why Costamato, my mentor, used to always say that he would never train a fighter who rode a motorcycle because he said that, you know, similar to a bike, obviously worse because you're going faster, but a lot of similarities. You're not protected. I mean, bottom line, and it doesn't have to be your mistake. You know, it, it, it right. could be just bang, something that in a car, it's a fender bender, but because you're on a bike, whether a motorcycle or a trail bike, um, you've got serious problems, so... It's, I'll tell you one thing. If you're riding a bike or a motorcycle, if you don't wear a helmet, you're asking for trouble. Because if I didn't have that helmet on, this would have been much worse. I mean, I still basically knocked myself out. But if you don't, if I wasn't wearing a helmet, Teddy, this would be a much different conversation. Um, nevertheless, let's talk fighting. Since I look like I got in a fight, which is what I would tell a stranger. What happened? Ah, oh, little fight. No big deal. <laughs> I tell my kids I got bit by a shark. Um... UFC Fight Night 178, awesome card again. If uh, boxing and UFC were in a um, fight, we'd basically have to give boxing a standing eight at this point. If not, um, Stop. call a halt to the action. It's getting ugly. I mean, UFC just continues to put on awesome events, and if, as long as they do, we'll have to keep talking about it because we'll talk about some of the boxing matches that took place this weekend, but they were essentially uh, A-sides versus opponents. Um, UFC, all competitive fights, and, and, and to the point that we talk about a lot with boxers trying to protect their um, zero losses, their zero loss record. I mean, in the in one of the in the co-main event, you had two guys that both basically both had uh, 15, 16 losses, and still everyone tunes in to see it because you know when you see when when you tune into the UFC co-main event, co-main event, you're going to see two guys get in there and fight. And at the end of the day, that's what we want to see is competitive fights. Um, so let's jump into it. Before we talk about the main and the co-main, just quickly want to touch on um, the the prelim right before the two, the co-main and the main. Um, Kamzat Shamayev against Gerald Mearshart. Uh, this one was interesting because it's the third fight since, I think, July 10th for um, Shamayev. And more significantly, the UFC had him scheduled for this fight, and they have him um, scheduled to fight Damian Maya in the near future, which is very, very rare for the UFC to have two fights scheduled. Very disrespectful to um, 
to Mearshot, to say the least, and Mearshot didn't take kindly to it, was talking very tough. He wanted to do some things to um, Shemaev, and my God, 17 seconds in, Shemaev hits him with a beautiful straight right. Basically, the first punch he throws right on the button, knocks him out cold. I know you had a chance to see it. <laughs> Again, 17 seconds. There was didn't take much time to catch up on that one. But uh, tell me what you saw there. Well, I wonder if Rob can put it up uh, because I would love to, being that it's so short, to comment right over it, right with it. So are we, if we have that capacity. But in the meantime, I'll say that the Southpaw killer. Uh, he was fighting a Southpaw. Uh, I'll leave it to you to pronounce their names, being that you're a college graduate. Um, Kamzat Shamayev from Sweden. Uh, I think by way of Dagestan, but but it it may not be Dagestan. It may be one of those other um, former uh, Soviet nations against Gerald Mearshart. Yeah. And here's the shot yeah. here. Rob's got it pulled and up. And Mearshart, you can see, is the southpaw. Uh, and... And you could see Shemaev uh, is going to line up the right hand. It's the southpaw kill. Right hand's land with southpaws. And what I noticed was that he dropped his right hand a little bit. And he also blinded him a little bit. I know it's, we're going to see it again. We missed it a little bit there. But the left hand, a throwaway punch, um, distracts by Shemaev. It distracts. See that left hand? It's meant to just distract yep. him a little bit. And it did. If you saw, you could see his eyes or his head almost went towards that. We're freezing when we get to that point. Where that left hand, you could see his eyes over on that side. The problem is the punch is coming from the other side now. The southpaw killer, the mm -hmm. right hand. And he dropped that right hand just subtle, just a little subtly enough to make it look like if he did pick it up, it was going to be coming low. Like, it's going to come low, but yep. it's not coming low. It's coming high. So, a real intellect in there with the power. You know, again, how many times do I talk about it's not just the power, it's not just the punch that counts. It's the delivery system. It's the intellect behind it. And again, you see these tough son of a guns. They're smart. You know, it's, it's not just about being tough. Um, and there was perfect exhibit A of it. Uh, right there, and I'm glad you brought that fight up, Ken, because, again, you saw the little bit of of distraction with the left hand, uh, just get his eyes over here, and then the right hand come over here. And he put everything into it. With that shot, you can see he put his back into it. He pivoted on his right foot. Uh, you know, I mean, that's the way you're supposed to strike. When you're throwing a right hand, you want to do two things. You want to maximize the power, you want to get your back into it, your legs into it, and keep balance. And that's why you pivot on the foot. And that's why you snap the shoulder. So when you throw it, your body doesn't fall forward where you're out of position for a counterpunch from a Floyd Mayweather or somebody like that. You, you want to throw it, and if you do miss it, you're still, again, you're retaining your position, your balance, because the technique was there. You were able to pivot on your foot. You were able to snap your shoulder, get everything behind it, and still be still be balanced the way a professional should be balanced. If you want to know more about it, uh, look at dynamic striking, the fundamentals of boxing. 
Uh, you could, you could. <laughs> the one thing, the one thing that you pointed out there that I noticed too was how he just did a slight dip with the right hand, like almost as if he was going to throw a hook or an uppercut. It just kind of drops from his chin a little and then goes right down the middle. And like you said, I think he was distracted by the jab anyway. But man, that guy—he's—he's nine and zero. All finishes. Uh, he got a last-minute invite to the UFC to, to fight on um, on July tenth. They called him in, uh, sorry, July 15th. They called him in to fight John Phillips, short notice. He submits him in the second round. Then they give him another fight at one, that fight's at 185. He's a 170 pounder. Then they call him back, stick around. They keep him in uh, uh, Yaz Island in um, wherever they were, Abu Dhabi or Dubai. They keep him there. He fights 10 days later at his natural weight, 170, and he knocks the guy out, uh, Rice McKee, Reese McKee, in the first round. Now, again, about six weeks later, he's in action with Gerald Mearshot, knocks him out in 17 seconds. This kid has all the makings of a, uh, of a future UFC star, and he's got a really f- fun personality, always clowning everything, every every opponent he's going to, quote-unquote, smash. Give me anyone. I smash them. He's ready for the champ. He's calling out everyone. He'll be a good... Uh, good. I wanted to touch on that because he's going to be a good one to keep an eye on going forward. He's submitting people, knocking people out. He's very diverse. The way he says, you know, he, he's got a little... Just a splash of... Uh, you know, proper personality in a serious way. Yep. You know, in a serious yes. way. Uh, yeah. for, for this <laughs> for sure. sport, which is important to have that little splash of that because you can sell that. Reminds me a little bit of Triple G, Golovkin, when he was coming up on HBO, exactly. you know, and he was knocking everybody yeah. out. And uh, and then he would he would come on afterwards and during the, during the uh, interview and he would say to Kellerman, he would say, Mox, give me moment, yeah. please, Mox. Give, <laughs> you know, he just destroyed a guy. You know what I mean? He just destroyed a guy. Big drama Mox, show. Big drama show, Mox. Big drama show. <laughs> uh, I want to thank my friends uh, out there. Please, I must thank mucho gracias, amigos. Uh, you know, it was just hilarious because you just saw this Terminator and then he's... You know, and he's showing this funny, you know, this this human yeah. side. It was a good mix. It was a good mix. And, um, you know, to your point of him fighting that often, it reminds me a little bit of Mike Tyson when they were bringing him up. Tyson was fighting every two weeks. <laughs> People forget that. He was fighting every freaking two weeks. Now, listen, he was fighting yeah. lower level opposition. But this guy's making higher level opposition look like lower level Opposition. That's right. You know, and at the end of the day, all that matters is the results. What I mean by that is you can fight a guy every two weeks, Ken, if he's not taking damage, if he's having it his way, you know, and Tyson was having his way so he could keep going every two. Well, this guy's having it his way too, you know, no matter what the opposition oh, yeah. level is. He threw one punch. So you can, and it's <laughs> the know? best way to develop a fighter for two reasons. From... From the business side and the professional athletic side. From the athletic side, it's the right way because you're keeping them busy. And the more you're in the ring, the calmer you're going to get, the more used to being in that environment, an uncommon environment, an uncomfortable environment. You're going to get more comfortable in an uncomfortable environment. So the more you, it's kind of like a doctor or a surgeon. The more he does surgery, the better surgeon he's going to be. I mean, it's, it's no different. So... 
the more often he's in the ring, the better he's going to, the more confident he's going to be, uh, the more reflexive things are going to be, uh, you know, the more you're going to be able to correct any little things that might be wrong and get to it again. So it's the right way. And from a business standpoint, well, it's the right way too because you're putting them out in the, in the eyes of the fans. You're putting them out there. You're letting the fans see them do destruction. Fans like to see yep. guys do destruction. They like to watch. It's called entertainment. And you're, and you're keeping yep. it in the forefront of the mind of the fans. Hey, I want to see this guy again. So good job what they're doing. Yeah, and the and again, Mershad is not a walkover opponent. I mean, he was very very upset that they had him that they had um, Shemaev scheduled for another fight after him. Uh, and, and a lot of people came out supporting uh, Mershad, saying, "Don't underestimate this guy. He's legit. He's a legit fighter. He's been around for a long time." And Shemaev made him look like he just they picked someone out of the fan stands to fight him. He just walked out through one punch and knocked him out. Nevertheless, it'll be curious. Uh, it will be exciting to see where the kid goes from here. Because again, third UFC fight, and he's fighting on the main card on a decent show. I mean, all the UFC cards are decent, but next up, he's got Damian Maya. Damian Maya is a jiu-jitsu black belt killer. He's been in there with everyone. Wiley veteran. If he can, if he gets through Maya in the way he's been beating these guys, look for him to be challenging for a title very soon. But that brings us to the next fight, uh, the co-main, Donald Cerrone, Nico Price. You always know what you're getting with Cerrone. Win or lose, the guy's going to stand there and take punches and give punches. Um, excellent all-action fight here. Very little on the ground. Basically, <laughs> reminded me of a street fight. Just no defense at times and just like, let's see who can punch each other in the face the hardest. But um, unfortunately for Nico Price, he got him with a couple eye pokes in the first round and lost a point which led to the fight being a draw. Nico Price probably won the fight two rounds to one, but with the deduction of a point for a draw, we got the uh, very rare uh, draw in MMA. Um, but exciting fight nonetheless. What did you see in that one? Oh, I saw what I've been asking for. I've been very curious. I've been on our show asking to get a draw once in a while in the UFC. How long have <laughs> I been saying, do draws exist? <laughs> And yeah. and can we see one once in a while? And I'm not a guy for even rounds, although I think they're useful sometimes. And I'm not a guy for draws. I want a winner. But sometimes I think they are the right call because both guys can win sometimes uh, on a given night. And I thought this draw yeah. was a was a proper call. And I finally saw one. Hey, they exist in the UFC. They got draws. You know? <laughs> so... Uh, and speaking of helmets, where thank God you were wearing one. And again, I, I make it a public service message. I didn't mean to do this, but to all the people out there that ride bikes, their kids, the, themselves, parents, uh, motorcycles, wear a helmet, please. Really. Uh, it, it makes sense. It makes sense for you and it makes sense for the people around you uh, that love you. That's right. Um, so the reason I bring it up and I say speaking of helmets is the eye pokes. When is the UFC, and, and you know, they, they, they're a tremendous organization. They've proven, proven that, the way they built themselves up, and Dana White continues to leave boxing in the rearview mirror with the way he's going about putting the matches on. But really, 
I think it's enough that you take elbows. I think it's enough that you take fists that almost bare fists. It's enough that you take knees. I'm not going to get up and show my knees. Um, <laughs> it's, an, it's enough that you take kicks. But you don't have to take pokes in the eye. Let's eliminate that if we can. Uh, I, I get it. You yeah. have those open hands. I understand. For the grappling. I Nobody's got to explain it to me. But... In today's world of technology, let's come up with some kind of device, some kind of web uh, glove, Ken, uh, that maybe you could start doing it, Ken. Maybe you could figure out one and, you know, add that to your repertoire of many accomplishments. Uh, you know, I mean, when you're not surfing. When you're not surfing, you're not riding a mountain bike. Maybe you could go into the laboratory and... Maybe it's one of those gloves you wear when you drive your Ferrari. I'm not sure. But <laughs> but all kidding aside, with technology and science today, can't we come up with something, a web-type glove, maybe the scuba divers use, something that will eliminate or, or restrict the amount of eye pokes that we see? Because we're seeing a lot of them. Matter of fact, we saw them in the yeah. in the cold feature. We saw them in the main event too. Uh, maybe maybe it's not the hands. Maybe they wear some kind of rubber goggles because really something. I know goggles. Instead, people say, "But Teddy, you're getting punched." Well, maybe it's some kind of I don't know, some kind of uh, pliable uh, rubber that can protect the cornea and protect the eye at the same time if it gets hit. It, it will not compress and do damage. It only compress to the point where, you know, it, it stops the fingers from coming in. I, I don't know. I just think that, like I said, these warriors, these noble warriors, gladiators that they are, uh, they, they should have their eyes protected. Uh, you know, that's all. But having said that, I, boy, that's Cerrone. What a, what a tough guy. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow, 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 wow. But it was, the, for me, Cerrone's the war horse. Cerrone's the, you know, the, uh, you know what he is. And some people say he's, you know, he's in the twilight of his career, which maybe he is, I guess. And, you know, he's at that point where it's getting close to possible retirement and, you know, all the miles on the old dominant and when is it going to be time but he's still got that experience. He's still that war horse. He still knows how to behave like a fighter. Oh, my God. See, that's the key. You know, when does it come more important or just as important to behave like something as much as be physically something? Think about that. Because the other guy is physically probably better and he's younger in certain areas. But this guy still knows how to fight. He still knows his experience. But he still knows how to behave like a fighter. And Price was getting a lesson. Price, for me, the way I looked at it, and I'm sure that most people in the UFC that are the experienced people with this sport look at it, was that for Cerrone, it was a fight to stay relevant. You know, it was a fight to, you know, to... to Stay as that guy, you know, not not to get another loss, to 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 stay to get in the winning, to stay in the winning lane. Um, for Price, it was more of a fight to kind of show Broadway the new star or a potential new star in this division. You know, to to have 
the lights on him, to let people know who he was, you know, to, to, you know, to come out and make, uh, make a, a statement that, hey, I'm here in this division and more of you should know about me, who I am, and, and be able to put that kind of foot forward. I'm sure that Price watched the tape or saw the fight of Cerrone with McGregor. And McGregor took Cerrone out uh, in the first round. And I would feel from my experience watching this fight, that's the first thing that hit me. He's trying to do the same thing. He's trying to make it an early night. He came out there, attacked in a striking, obviously, fashion. And he tried to get rid of Cerrone, thinking that he could get the same result quick. Cerrone's a little bit of a slow starter. Um, you know, he's, he's available. And we can, we can keep him from using this experience. Keep him from getting into the fight. Keep him from taking us to deep waters. Because that would be the plan for Cerrone. So I, that's what I saw. And Price did it. Almost. Almost. Um, you know, and it almost backfired because he put everything into it. He's not the striker McGregor. I'm, I'm taking out the price. Price is a good talent, but he's not the level of striker McGregor with the with the technique, with the experience, with the power. Um, he he's not as clean as McGregor, mm -hmm. and McGregor got the first round knock, where Price came close. But clothes don't count, except in horseshoes and <laughs> something else, right? They talk about, and yep. it almost backfired. That's See, that's how I look at things. I'm saying, wow, this yeah. is interesting now. Because if Cerrone survives this first round, we're going to find out something about Price. And sure yep. enough, he survived. And then the second round, now Price is a little gassed mentally, forget the physical. You don't need Teddy Atlas to tell you that. Physically, but mentally. He's a little gassed. He's having little doubts. He's, he, 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 you know, he's starting to hear talkbacks in his head. You don't want to hear talkbacks <laughs> in your head. You don't want to hear arguments in your head. And he's starting now to hear it like, oh, the, uh, the guy's still here. You know, did I spend too much? You know, am I, you know, uh, am I ready for this? And he started to be asked questions privately that we all have to be asked in life when we have a life that deals with confrontation, deals with pressure, deals with choices, deals with just making decisions when it's difficult to make a decision, you know, moments. And he had that moment. You could see it. You could see it for me, where in the second round he was struggling, mentally and physically, with what he put out in the first round. And Cerrone was doing his damnedest to recognize it and take advantage of it and, and yep. make a living off of it. Make a living off of it, which he's done before because of his experience, yeah. because of who he is. Because it's, it's right in his... It's right in his wheelhouse, like, ha, 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 like, like a lion looking at fresh meat. 
You know what I mean? Like yep. this, huh? This is my meal now. This is my game now. This is my alley now. This is my world now. And and you could see it. And it was. And Price, to his credit, got himself back together. He was struggling. He got himself back together not to go down off that cliff. Not to be taken to Cerrone's place. And he and he struggled. It reminded me, for the people, if they can understand this analogy, I hope I try to make one where it's, it makes it even clearer, where when Mickey Ward and Arturo Gatti were fighting that first fight, which is one of the greatest fights of all time, it fits in any era, any era. Uh, it's, it's one of the great, it, you could even call it the greatest fight of all time, but it's one of them. It's up there. And... Um, Castillo and Corrales, pretty damn good too. Modern day fight. Yep. And there's, there's, there's a ton of them. I mean, oh my goodness, in the history of this sport, forget about it. Uh, you, you go back to the 80s, you go back further. Uh, there's, there's so many of them. But where, if I remember correctly, and you help me if I don't, but I'm in the right neighborhood where... It looked like the fight was stopped towards the end of the fight, like they had stopped it. Mickey Ward thought he won by KO, TKO. And for, for yep. a second there, it was over. Well, when it's yeah. over, I don't know if people understand the ramifications of that, what goes on. Because immediately after being ready, you know, for, for all that's there to be ready for and that you're involved in, you know, to be a DEFCOM 4. You're going through, and then all of a sudden it's over, boom, and you shut down. You 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 shut down, and you all of a sudden are told, which Mickey was, no, it's not over. What? Now you got to restart that. The engines all over. Yeah, that was uh, ref referee Frank Cappuccino. I, I remember when we had Nicky Mickey on the show. Mickey's like, "Oh my god, I think it's over. It's over." And then Cappuccino comes into the corner and said, "No, no, 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 no. Fight's not over. Fight's not over." And Mickey was like, "Okay, let's go. Get back into fight mode." But he talked about that on the show. And you got and people should watch that. The one we did that was what a yeah. year ago, whatever it was. But um, year ago, a little more than a year ago, we recorded at the Boxing Hall of Fame, actually. Yeah, and if people haven't seen it, I tell you, I would suggest not because it's us. I would suggest it just if someone else did it, and I knew what was in it. That Mickey, being yeah. himself, very candid about his career, more candid than most people would be about personal life, about personal things that have happened to him in his life. Um, so yep. uh, it was something very interesting. So. In that fight, now you got to start the turbines all over again. You got to restart those turbines. You got to recalibrate. And oh my God. Oh my. I don't know if most people understand what that takes. So there was a little similarity in some ways to that, where Price, I'm sure, said, I got the guy going. I'm going to get him out of there in the first round, kind of where I think he planned to. I think he did, to get him out. And it don't happen. You know, mentally, that's a blow. That's a blow. And yep. you got to be a fighter to get off. And it's part of the learning curve. And I think at the end of the day, Price learned a lot from that fight. And, and both of them gained a lot. Cerrone, that he's still able to handle, which people were starting to wonder if he can handle uh, young, tough, 
top guys in a division, vibrant guys, if he was still that guy with all the miles. But he but he showed he could. And and then he Price showed that he does belong at that level, that he is gonna go to that. And he learned what it's gonna take to compete and further compete at that level. It's not just your physicality, it's other things. It's dealing with guys with great toughness, great experience, you know, great resiliency. Um, all, all those intangibles. So I think it was a very interesting fight. Again, I don't know if people knew the struggle, but I think Price was in a real struggle that second round. He pulled himself together. You know, he, he, he got, you know, he got the ship kind of righted. The waves were taking him. They were taking him. And then he got the ship righted again, got back on course, and... uh and then you had the last round, the third round, and it was uh, it was a toss-up fight. Uh, it was again, yeah. I, I marveled at the contrast of the two guys. You got you got Price, where you know he's he's finding out if he belongs there. You got Cerrone, kind of trying to prove that he's still there. And you have all this stuff sort of in the background. There's other fight going on with the things I just talked about. And you you got you got all that you got all that going on. And and then you have a you got a situation where Soroni gets hit with the with the fingers not once, twice. And again, who knows how Price would have behaved? I know these UFC guys, they're all tough as nails. But you don't know till you know. You don't know till you know. That's right. You know one thing about Cerrone? He was like, I mean, there's blood coming down from his eye. He, he, he just got poked right in the eye in the middle of a fight with a younger <laughs> guy, an up-and-coming guy, right? And... And he's acting like a guy at a barbecue that had like one of those little gnats that like, hey, come on. <laughs> like, come on, I want to get to the potato salad. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, yeah. like, hey, come on, where's the barbecue chicken? Uh, those ribs ready? Like he, could, like, he could care less. Like, look, if you have to, you almost felt like, look, if you have to, take it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> if you have to, take it out, but... Let's not take too long because I'm going to lose my sweat. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know what I mean? In the third round, in the third round, they actually both poked each other at the same exact time. And to your point about them being tough, at one point when they're both like taking a minute to gather themselves, Nico Price says to him like, I'm okay. Are you all right, man? Are you ready? And they're both like, yeah, let's go. And people, I don't think, appreciate how much getting poked in the eyeball by a, uh, in a fight, it can affect you. I mean, let, let something hit you in the eye accidentally in your day-to-day -day life. I know if when it happens here to me, or especially with the kids, you would think that they've been shot by a sniper rifle in their eye if something touches their eyeball. Well, as far, yes. And as far as my breakdown of the fight, um, the analysis of that, Cerrone got what he needed. By surviving the first round, see, again, there's a lot of strategy. By surviving the first round, he got a slower pace. He needed a slower pace. You know, yeah. he, he's the older car that can't go 80 miles an hour on the highway anymore. 
He got to take the back yeah. streets. You go 80 miles an hour, you're gonna blow a you're gonna blow a gasket. You got him. You got him. <laughs> but so he's that guy. But you you got to be smart enough to get that to get that pace, to get that without getting taken advantage of. So he survives the first round. Now he's got the guy where the guy's willing to concede the pace. So he keeps the pace at a slower pace that makes more sense for Cerrone. So again, I'm, I'm watching all this stuff and absorbing all this, and I like it. I love it, and I appreciate it. Yeah. And I say, okay, he's got the slower pace. Now he's in a fight. Now he's in a. And what does he do? He starts picking his spots. You know, he he's pot shot and he's picking his spots with right hands, with jabs, with you know, picking spots. The one mistake, again, from the analysis for me that Price made in the first round, he was landing the jab really clean, but he never, boom, put a right hand right behind it. He should have done a la yeah. George Foreman, a la Tefilio Stevenson, a la Igamar Johansson. You know, again, uh, go on go on dynamic. Oh, I feel terrible about what I'm doing right now, but not <laughs> go on dynamic striking and, and see the great signature punches of the great fighters in this sport. It's not up yet. It'll be up in a couple of weeks. Or maybe a week, but you'll see all these. And and in this one, all, all seriousness, he was hitting him with the jab really clean. Boom! He should have put a right hand right behind it, and who knows what would have happened. So that was missing. I uh, that struck me. I said, "Hey, you know, somebody needs to whisper in your ear to put that right hand." And the other thing was, he had the longer wingspan. He, you know, the the long arms. And he wasn't really using it. There was a little Ken. There was like a little arch and like a little bend in his elbow see when you see a bend in a guy's elbow like like this instead of seeing a straight elbow it means that the guy's not getting full extension on his punches that means if he's the taller guy he's allowing a shorter guy into a pocket that he needs to be allowed into to be effective and i saw that i saw the bent elbows ah, ah, no good no good, because now Cerrone will take advantage of that bent elbow. He will get into that yeah. punching zone, pocket, that that bent elbow allows you to get a little into. And sure enough, sure enough, Cerrone got into that zone, got into that pocket, and started landing some shots. Again, because there was no full extension. And again, that's the learning part of this fight for Price that he had take from this. He'll go to the blackboard or he have the potential to take it to go to the blackboard and learn that. That he that's why he was getting hit with those shots by Cerrone. But again, uh to Cerrone's credit, he, he got through that first round. He knew what he had to do. Uh he we had a terrific, tremendous fight. I want to look at my notes, make sure I didn't leave anything out. But it was one of those fights I just again I said, no wonder. This is, again, the reason why, and you touched on it earlier, that Dana White and UFC is starting to leave uh, boxing in their dust a little bit, you know, because they're, they're, they're putting on fights that no matter what the guy's record, who gives a crap? The fights are good. The fights are competitive. The fights are real. The fights are like you could pick a toss-up. You you can't just close your eyes and say, "Yeah, I'll put um a hundred thousand on this guy because I know he's gonna win." You have to put a hundred thousand because he's probably twenty to one. 
you know, to, to get anything. <laughs> because everyone knows you're That's something win. boxing. In boxing, everyone. Boxing should take a lesson there because another great boxing match that, that, that we just talked about, Mickey Ward and Arturo Gotti, neither one of them had like a sterling record where you look at it like, oh my God, this is a killer. You put those two guys together though and you created one of the best fights possibly in the history of boxing. UFC does it on a regular basis, but you would think that that would prompt boxing to put some of these guys in and I we're getting one of those fights that I'm dying to see in Lomachenko and um, Lopez. That's gonna be a that's gonna be an awesome fight, and I'll guarantee you, um, may, Loma has so much experience. It's hard to say he's gonna get better, but Lopez is gonna be a better fighter, win or lose, after that fight, just being in there with someone that experienced. And I wish some of these younger guys would look at that and take some guidance for, or take some direction from these guys and like let's see some of these younger guys like Devin Haney and Javante Davis like get them in there with real guys that can punch put them in there with each other let's like let's get it cracking make people tune in it, win or lose those guys are both good they're, 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 even if one of them they fight each other and lose there's a million fights that they can still both be competitive in uh, but anyway I noticed you're wearing your whoop um, your whoop strap there uh, and I want to remind everyone that Whoop's the presenting sponsor for our Fight Tactics series where Teddy breaks down signature punches by a number of uh, former superstars, including Mickey Ward, Mike Tyson. We have some up there now. We have a ton of them in the pipeline. So please check out the YouTube channel. Go to the Fight Tactics series and um, you can see a bunch of signature punches and Teddy breaks down all the fundamentals of how that punch gets delivered. And uh, like I said, there's some up there. Look for more to come. Those are uh, a lot of fun. And uh, thanks to Whoop for sponsoring that segment. And that brings well, us, Teddy, to the finish, main let event. Let me finish on the... Just a, oh, sorry. And the one thing to your... What you just talked about with the promotion of Whoop... Um, I think people will enjoy. They are enjoying them. A lot of people are watching them, and I'm I'm glad they are. But the one thing you will see, this the technique needed to throw to land these punches to be efficient with these punches. You'll learn that. You'll see that. The one thing that you won't get. I mean, I don't know if this is a is is a takeaway where it takes away from it. I don't think so. But the one thing you won't get is you won't, after I show it, you won't get Teddy saying, whoop, there it is. <laughs> you won't get that. You won't, you won't get that. You're, you're, you'll get everything else that you're supposed to get, but you won't get, whoop, there it is. Um, which I, I'm sorry I did that. But um, listen, to finish up on, on Price and Cerrone, Cerrone used his experience. He mixed it up. He went inside. You know, he was, uh, he went inside when he needed to, uh, you know, to the close to put his hands on the guy and to, to show that dimension, that threat about, you know, getting into the floor, onto the mat. You know, he mixed it up the way you have to do it when maybe physically at your age, you have to be a little bit more using everything you can, you know, everything that's out there a little bit more, uh, where Price is going to learn that. And I think that a lot was shown at the, in, in two things, at the end, at, at the end when, when it was 
announced the draw. You know, you could see that price along the lines of what I think I just broke down, understood what he went through privately and understood what he was feeling after the first round when he didn't get the knockout and how he escaped falling off the cliff and what he went through and what he learned and the happiness that he learned it, the, the, the awareness, which means he's smart, the awareness that he, that he learned something that's going to be beneficial, that's going to make him more powerful, that's going to make him more successful, make him better in the ways that, that the physical part isn't enough, that you have the other, the mental part to make sure that physical part is always available, always used the right way. The glue that, that keeps those physical abilities in place. He was, you could see he was like grateful, like to himself, like, yeah, I, I, I accomplished those things. I'm going to be better for it. So it wasn't a, it wasn't that he was celebrating the draw. I think because a lot of people I think are going to say and have made comments uh, where maybe, hey, what was he celebrating the draw? But I think he was celebrating what I just said, Ken. He was celebrating that I just went through a real test. And I know that I am now sure that I'm up to what I have to be up to to fight at the highest level. And that I'll be only yep. better for this. That that I yeah. that I got I got my I got my vaccination shot <laughs> to be ready for all the germs <laughs> that are out there. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like before somebody travels to Europe, get that shot, get that shot. I got my <laughs> shot. I can travel now. He got his shot. Yep. He could travel now to those higher places that we all want to travel to if we're competitive and we're in a competitive business like he is. So I think that's what it was. But the contrast was really something that I had to mention before we go off of this fight. Because then you got Cerrone, which I already described. He's the war horse. He's the guy. And he's like looking at him like in amazement. <laughs> like in amazement. Like, what are you happy about? Yeah, there, there is no happiness. There is no happiness in anything but a win, like yep. because he's past that. He's at a different place, and and it was for me. It was really something to see that because I understood it at least what I think I did from the way. No, it wasn't that he's happy he got a draw. He's happy that he went through this experience. He's going to be better for it, and and he and he realized that. And for him, it was something that Cerrone had been through years ago. So. I'm watching it and I'm saying, look at this. And Cerrone's like, what are you? Like he's looking at a kid that's like jumping up <laughs> and down in front of Dairy Queen. You know what I mean? That 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 he's yeah, getting a yeah, double yeah. dip ice cream. You know? He's like looking at him like, yeah. what, what what's the excitement about? What's the happiness? Like like <laughs> like a beaver. Like if you gave a beaver a toothpick. You know what I mean? Like a beaver would say, toothpick. Like what? Do I, what? What am I supposed to do with this toothpick? I eat logs. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I eat logs. I don't eat toothpicks. What? What? Get this toothpick out of here. You know, and and, and that's kind of like what it was 
with with him looking at the reaction of the the youngin, the young kid. You know, like yeah. like yep. we we eat logs over here. We we eat wins. We eat wins or logs. You know, not drawers. Not drawers, not tooth, not toothpicks. So I thought it was interesting. I thought the whole night, I I thought that fight was really, really good, really interesting. I enjoyed it, and um, yeah. I wonder how the UFC, and I'm not sure how the UFC handles um payment on that because they pay the guys typically um win money, uh, show money, and win. So you know, 150 grand to show up, another 150 to win. I guess if there's a draw, maybe it's at their discretion. I know that they're not afraid to be generous with fighters outside of their contract. I've heard Daniel Cormier say that early in his career when he put on some good performances, in particular against John Jones, Dana White unsolicited sent him a million dollar bonus like uh, wasn't publicized just and that's coming directly from Daniel Cormier so anyway we'll have to look into that and listen, and, to your uh, point the kid that we started to show with the the undefeated kid who scored the 17 second who you know how to pronounce his name Shemayev see how I set you up to help me out there nice <laughs> nice and smooth um to to your point Ken the first thing that kid said afterwards in the interview was, uh, "I get my fifty thousand dollar bonus." Uh, I, I, fifty well, fifty thousand. I he, think he right, was referring to not. Yeah, he was referring to though they give um, a knockout of the night, a finish of the night, fight of the night is a fifty thousand dollar bonus. So I think he was saying, "Hey, in addition to my oh, compensation, yeah. I should get the fifty G's for the knockout of the night," which I'm pretty sure he got. And I'll we can ask Rob to check it out, but I'm pretty sure he got the fifty grand. But um, that brings us to the main event, and it was um, I was really looking forward to this and. This was really like a tale of two different fighters. I mean, Covington looked much hungrier, was pressing the pace against Tyron Woodley, a lot of bad blood. Colby Covington has really like leaned into this heel role like in uh, professional wrestling. You know, you got the good guy and the bad guy. Covington has really embraced the uh, the heel role. He wears the Trump hat. Um He's just an antagonistic dude, but apparently off camera, I've heard from Joe Rogan and others that he's actually a very nice guy, respectful, but he's like, look, this is my station in life. I've got to like lean into it. And he has done a good job of making people hate him, but man, that kid can fight. And um, like I said, it looked like one guy on the come up, just super hungry and aggressive and, and Woodley in from my perspective, looked like he didn't want to be in there. It would be like Covington would unload for a for a, um, a burst of punches. Woodley would be backtracking like he's looking to counter, absorb the shots, and never throw the counter. And it would just reset again. And here comes Covington. Boom, 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 boom. Woodley absorbs the but never answering back. And um, eventually... Covington took him down. What looks like I think Woodley broke a rib, separated a rib, did something that clearly put put him in tremendous pain at one point. He just screamed out my rib and the ref stopped the fight, basically a verbal tap. But I'm curious to see how you saw the fight and what you see what you saw happening. Yeah, I saw exactly what you saw, Ken. You're learning, my son. You're learning. <laughs> you really are. You're learning. You know what I want Rob to do? I want Rob to go and get that old television flick, that old television show from years ago called Kung Fu. I think it was the Kung Fu master, David Carradine. And he used yes. to walk through towns, you know, with his mastery of Kung Fu and straighten things yeah. out, you know. And he go from town to <laughs> town, you know, with this great Kung Fu 
science that he had. But then it would flash back at the first episode always to remind you when he was just a young kid, he was in this special school where he was learning from the masters. And he was in there and he was always wondering when master will it be time? When will I leave? When when is it time to graduate, to leave this this school? And the master had these pebbles in his hand and he would show them to him and he'd say, when you can grab the pebbles before I close my hand, you will be ready. And he called him affectionately grasshopper. He said, you will be <laughs> yeah. ready grasshopper when you can take these pebbles from my hand before I close them. And of course he would always go to take them and it was just a little late. He wasn't quite ready. Yeah. You know? And I say to you, soon, Grasshopper, you will be ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying to use that. I'm dying to use that. You set me up beautifully. Beautifully. You will be it will be time soon for you to be able to leave, Grasshopper. But um <laughs> Look, I saw the same thing you saw. Um, my first question is, well, the first thing I saw was he either can't pull the trigger or he doesn't want to. He either can't or won't. Can't or won't. And it speaks to what you covered, you know, from the mental standpoint. Is he, is he, is he shot? Is he mentally, physically shot where he can't uh, or where he won't? Because he's mentally shot, you know, part of it's physical and part of it's mental. And altogether, they always join. They're never really separate. There's always an influence of the mental. 75% of this game is mental, as I've always said on ESPN over 24 years. So either you get to a point where you don't want to take that risk, where... You're, you're, there's no urgency anymore. And he looked like that guy that there was no urgency. And when you get to that point, you shouldn't fight anymore. But, but, I never, I have too much respect for this business and for these fighters. Too much. And I've been around too long. And I understand too much to ever take for granted that I'm in their mind or their, their heart or their body. So I don't know when that injury took place. Maybe it took place before the fight. Fighters go in injured yeah. because they're fighters. These guys are these guys are truly gladiators, you know, and, and samurais. And could they go in? I talked about that. We talked about that on an episode a week ago about some guys go in injured into fights because they want they, they don't want to lose that opportunity because they have a different mentality than a normal guy. That that's part of the deal. Part of the professional. Dealing with what you have to deal with. Injury, pain, whatever it is. So that's so I'm open to that. Maybe he went in with that. Or maybe it happened early. I don't know. I don't know. I know it happened late. But I don't know. He said that it was bothering him early. So I don't know. What's early? First round? Second round? Third round? I don't know. But... At the end of the day, there was something that wasn't consistent with the Woodley that was a champion of the welterweight division for three years with four title defenses. It, it, was, 
he his behavior, his physically and mentally was not consistent with that guy. It wasn't. I'm not here to protect him. I'm here to be who I'm supposed to be, an analyst to for the folks out there the best I can to put a light on things that sometimes could use a light. It doesn't mean I'm 100% right. Sometimes I am, but maybe I'm not. But it makes sense to explore it this way because my experience tells me that it can only be a couple things. It can only be A, B, or C. And at the end of the day, yeah, you know, he didn't have that urgency. Um, you know, maybe he's at that place in his career. Maybe the injury was part of it. Uh, you know, I... You Again, if that's missing, his body looked great. But like I explain all the time on ESPN over the years, if that part, the mental part is missing, the body is... It's just a, it's just an empty car. Then, what good is an empty mm -hmm. car without a driver? See, that's it. That's what this fight was about. And the other guy, well, he is what he is. And and leading up to this fight, I know that after being one of the great welterweight champs, Woodley, his last two fights, he's he's been dominated. Now it's three. Now it's three. But yeah. coming into this, he had been dominated in two fights. To Usman, yeah. and I forget the other guy. So this looks like that pattern continued. You know, and it did continue. It doesn't look like it did. It did continue. He's basically lost every round that he's fought since he lost the title to Usman. Since he's to lost Usman. the title to Usman. Yeah, so maybe that, that was his breaking point. Mentally, physically, uh, the urgency, everything to, to prove, to, to fight for, whatever. Whatever. But at the end of the day, Covington, you know, he did what he had to do. Um, it wasn't a bond burner. You know, I'm the first one to throw accolades at whatever deserves accolades. It wasn't a bond burner. It wasn't that kind of fight. Uh, but it was a fight where there had to be strategy. And where Covington, from his perspective... Ken, he didn't know if this guy was just possuming him into something. Play him, you yeah. know what I mean? He didn't know. Yeah. So he still had to have a certain caution about him. Uh, so as he attacked. Now, at the throughout the fight, there was only one boss. He was the boss. You know what it reminded me of? A cat and a dog. It reminded me yeah. where you, the cat's got moments... You know, where it's scratching, it's clawing. You know, the dog can't go in there reckless because if he does, he gets get his face scratched. But at the end of the day, you know the dog's going to win. You, and you know the dog's looking to eat the cat. <laughs> you, you, and, but you know the cat's not looking to eat the dog. That's what it looked like to me. That that Covington was the dog and and Woodley was the cat. And, you know, it was just a matter of when was the dog finally going to eat the cat, you know? And then he, and then he finally did with the, with the injury and the submission. And then the dog barked a little bit. He howled a little bit, you know, because 
sometimes dogs they get excited they howl you know they get <laughs> you know they, they 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 start that's their way of celebrating and so at the end of the day uh I mean, from a, again, from a technical analysis standpoint, what showed me was something wrong, either he couldn't or he wouldn't, was there were opportunities while they were standing. And I know both guys are great grapplers, great wrestlers, and I know Woodley might even be superior that he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I, I, but you could see while they were standing that Covington would, his first punch... He would usually throw two to enter, but his first punch would come short, and he was reaching. He was leaving himself available, to be quite honest, and he never paid a price for it because there was no counter. So either he couldn't let his hands go because the timing wasn't there anymore, or maybe he was hurt, or maybe, again, it's just he's he's at that place now where he's that's not there no more, that urgency not to miss a moment. And he missed moments where there was a reach-in, there was a reach-in from the Southpaw Covington, and he could have paid a price for that. There could have been a counter right there, but there wasn't. And then the other thing that I thought that he, again, that told us something was, I expected, especially when he started getting into those dangerous waters where it became evident that Woodley was behind and that he had to do something where he didn't start chucking right hands at the southpaw. You know, because again, I said it earlier, the right hands are southpaw killers. Uh, they they sometimes can do quite a bit of damage to southpaws. And so I thought, Woodley, okay, if nothing else, bang, bang, we're gonna, bang, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a sale. We're gonna have a sale of right hands. You know, we're gonna have a super sale, like, like what's that? Black <laughs> Sunday after uh, Thanksgiving, where <laughs> Black Friday, Black Friday. Where we're gonna have a Black Friday yeah. sale, where you're gonna see nothing but bomb, 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 bomb. You know, right hands all night long, and we didn't see that. So, again, what what was wrong? One or the other. Uh, and I, I'll say one more comment. And you touched on it at the beginning about everyone hates this guy or likes him. They either like him or hate him. But he's smart, Covington. He's a smart promoter. Because you're in this business to make money. I mean, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, you're in it to, to prove yourself, to have a legacy, to answer questions privately to yourself, who you are. But you're in it to make money. And he's from the Muhammad Ali school of promotion he's a clever son of a gun of course ali was a genius where ali would always often antagonize everybody and he would say <laughs> everybody nobody was left alone and he would say hey half of the people that come to one of my fights come to see me win half of them come to see me beat my backside beat but they all have one thing in common. They all buy a ticket. <laughs> and that's Covington. That's for sure. That's Covington. Yo, definitely. That's, he's, he knows that. He gets it. Anyway, it yep. wasn't a bomb burner, but it, it had different dynamics to it. 
uh, you know, different intangibles that became intangibles because of the injury and everything else. Did you get a, uh, yeah, that was an awesome show, and it would be curious to see where Covington goes from here. I'd love to see him fight uh, Masvidal because they used to be buddies, and they all trained together at American Top Team in um, Miami. So it would be curious to see if he gets that Masvidal fight. Yeah, yeah, I mean, get that payday. And, you know, a tremendous fighter would be too. Oh, yeah, and they really don't like each other. I mean, and, I mean that would uh, be, a, that's the kind of, that's the kind of matchup that you could probably sell the press conferences on pay-per-view. <laughs> you know. For sure. I, I mean, uh, For you know, sure. not a $75 pay-per-view, but whatever. <laughs> you know, 20 bucks, whatever. Because people would love to see those promotional uh, moments, those those press conferences. They would they would be fun. Yeah. It would be fun. Definitely. And um, I don't know if you got a chance to see any of the uh, fights this weekend, but Pedraza was in action against um, Molina, Jose Pedraza, Javier Molina, and then Erickson Lubin fought Terrell Gaucha. Um, just curious if you want to touch on, on any of those. Again, pretty much A-sides versus opponents, not very competitive, but um, like I said, I don't even know if you want to touch on yeah, real those quick. fights were out there this weekend. Sure. Yeah, real quick. First of all, I think... Uh, I think that, huh, how do I say this? I guess the way I always say things, straight, boom, right? You know, <laughs> why change now? <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think maybe, uh, and other people say, oh, he's taking a shot. No, I'm just making a point, really, to be honest. I think there's a lot of chances to take shots if I wanted to take shots, uh probably every week but i, I <laughs> yeah, that's that's right fair. that's fair but um i think i think top rank might be onto something they've been around a long time tremendous you know promoters um i i think they might be onto something you you put a fight on at midnight and you make it one-sided and uh and you could and then you go to bed <laughs> you know i mean that's that that's a uh, there's a lot of products out there that that people buy uh, looking to uh, induce sleep, right? There's a lot of products <laughs> out there. I'm just saying. Uh, what do they call it? One of them is snooze something or whatever. <laughs> they got the melatonin of uh, melatonin. fight cards at top rank. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a natural. It's a, listen, everyone's looking for natural stuff. Right, natural supplements. Yeah, they don't want the chemicals. They don't want that stuff. Right, and you you get up groggy. Yep. Who wants to get up the next day groggy? <laughs> you go to bed. You get, you get put right to bed. Right, you get put right. It's like somebody tucking you in. You get you get tucked right in, and you wake up fresh the next day. You know, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. it's a good formula. It might be a good product. It, it, they might be onto some. But at the end of the day, in all Fairness, seriousness. I like Pedraza a lot. He's a kid that got knocked out by Tank yeah. Davis earlier. He wasn't ready for that fight. He fought the wrong fight. He didn't know who he was yet. He he didn't have his yeah. identity yet. He he's a southpaw. He he could mix it up. He could fight. <clears throat> he fought inside with Tank Davis, who has a lot of power, a lot of power, and he shouldn't have. And he shouldn't have. He fought the wrong fight. I'm not making excuses. I'm being who I'm supposed to be. I'm trying to explain something. And he. He got caught. Uh, but again, he didn't know who he was yet. And then he learned. And then he fought a fabulous fight. I was there against Lomachenko. 
maybe the best fight in the world. Him, Crawford, Canelo, whatever. But technically, probably the best. He fought a fabulous fight because now he knew who he was. He he knew he knew that he could box, control range, that that he could do things like that as well as fight in the trenches. It didn't have to be all or nothing. And he showed that. In the Lomachenko fight, he fought a heck of a fight. A heck of a fight. I'm telling you. Lomachenko needed to be Lomachenko that night. And I don't know if people realized that the fight was that competitive. But um, Lomachenko did. So he's a guy who's coming into his own now. And I think now he's a guy with the experience he's gained and the ability he has to southpaw, to fight inside, outside, you know, at range, out of range, whatever, um, to counterpunch, to, as I said, to go get you when he had to go get you. He's got the confidence, the experience now, and he's got the know-how, the technique, the ability to, to fight at the top, to, to, to have a chance at the top. You know, there's, there's good fighters there uh, in, in that division. Very good. But he's, he's good enough now to, to really have a fit in at that top now. He really is. Um, and Molina's a kid that he turned pro very young. He was an Olympian. I think I caught his fights when he was in the, his Olympic Games. I think I did those games for NBC. I did In Beijing? Yeah, I did them. I did them. I did four games for NBC. Uh, 2000 in Sydney, 2004 in Beijing. I, no, 2004. 2008 no, in 2004 Beijing. 2004 in Athens, Greece. Yep. 2008 in Beijing and 2012 in London. So, um, so yeah, I did it. That was a long time ago. And he... He turned pro young. He was like 18, whatever. He never got that physical frame. He never got that physicality. He was a guy that never had that physical. And I don't know that he was mature enough um, when he turned pro. And, you know, he had his, you know, he, he had his struggles. And then he got all this experience. And then you fast forward to now. And he got this opportunity. But it was too late. It was too late. He never became that guy you think an Olympian's going to become, you know. And he never really gained that physicality to, to go along with whatever else he had. Um, and he uh, he's a game kid. He's a game kid, but he just fell short. He he never got there. So and Pedraza really Pedraza dominated. Um, so that's what I think of that fight. I think that covers it pretty well. And and then the other. The other fight was um, that you mentioned. What was the one with the Showtime? Uh, Erickson Lubin and um, and Terrell Gausha. Yeah. I believe that was, Showtime. that was Showtime. The other thing worth noting on that was the uh, awesome young prospect on Showtime in the first fight of the night, Boots Ennis. That kid is good. I'm curious to see how he continues to develop welterweight. But yeah, this was the main event, Erickson Lubin and uh, Terrell Gausha. Yeah, see, when I'm evaluating those kind of talents, the easiest thing to see is what you just saw. And you're right, Ken. Wow, they got talent. Oh, so that's the easiest. But the most important thing to see is, and to evaluate it off, who are they in there with? It's fair. That's very fair. And, and I didn't see the fight. So yeah. full disclosure. 
I didn't see it, so I don't know who he was in there with. But I'm just saying that it's kind of like when I look at a prospect, this is how I look at him, Ken. It's kind of like going into a, a car lot. I don't just want to see the car. Wow. Oh, wow. That's shiny. Ken must have put a, one of his special waxes on that. Because, <laughs> Ceramic. You know. Well, yeah, because you know what to do with these special cars because you own them. So, you know, you go out there, you see those shine and you say, oh, look at the body on that car. Look at the tires. Wow, it's beautiful. I would open up the hood and see what the engine is. And it's kind of like the same thing with these prospects. Yeah, they got the talent, they flash. I get it. I understand. But I want to open up the hood. And you can't open up the hood till you take them on a test drive with, with somebody that that can test them. That's when I say, okay, the guy is this. He's not just a, a good-looking guy that that's, you know, shining in the parking lot. He's a guy that you can take him on the road and you he, he, he can drive. He, 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 can, he can handle the road. That's what I want to say. He was in there with Juan Carlos Abreu, who was 23-5 and five with 21 knockouts, but he has losses to Mean Machine Kavalakis, Alexander Bestputin. He's been in there with some real guys, and they said it's a big step up in um, competition for uh, Jerron Ennis. And Jerron Ennis now improves his record to 26-0 um, and 0 with 24 knockouts at welterweight. He's, uh, but yeah, you're right. Who he's in there with matters, but he looked good. I mean, oh yeah, man, no, I he, that's I give it to you. And listen, Abreu, yeah. I know Abreu. Abreu's a guy who's a little shop worn. He's been around a long time. Yep. He's had a pretty long Dominican kid from Bo who lives in Boston. How yeah. long has he been a pro? T uh, tell me real quick. Uh, he's been around. Abreu. Abreu's been around. I mean, he's... That's uh, all I need to know. Started in 2011. He's been fighting for nine years. He's 20, He's 33 years old. Well, there it is. He's a guy who's, you know, a little on the other side. He's a guy who's a little shop one. And he's a guy that was never the fastest guy in the world. So you got a, a guy like Innes who's got speed. And so he's, yeah. you know, he's going to expose. He's going to take advantage of those things. And look, I'm not knocking him for it. Um, but again, it's... You know, he was in there with a guy that uh, has a decent record, a nice resume, but you have to look at what that resume is really telling you, what it's really telling you, not what it's maybe telling a, a, a general fan who looks at it and says, oh, yeah, you know, but no, it, it also tells you that the things I'm talking about, that he's a perfect guy for him right now to show these talents, yeah. to show off these talents. That's all. So having said that, Gosha and... um. And, and uh, Lubin. Lubin fought on my air on ESPN when he was coming up years ago, or some years ago now. And he was very young. He turned pro really young. He might have been 18, whatever. Uh, he didn't go to the Olympics. He was a top amateur in the country. But he, he went pro. And like I said, he fought on ESPN. I saw him on his way up. He's now become more of a mature pro. He got knocked out earlier in his career. I believe it was with Charlo, um, one of the Charlo brothers. Uh, Lubin got knocked out. And he was he probably wasn't ready. Well, obviously, it would seem that he wasn't ready with the result of that fight. Um, but he got knocked out, I believe, in one round. Uh, I know he got knocked out early. You, you'll confirm it for me. I don't have his record. Yeah, he lost to he lost to Jamel Charlo. You're right, and um, 
early, right? Yeah. Early, fight, early uh, knockout, uh, one round. Yeah, I believe so. I'm just checking the rounds here, but yeah, yeah. Right. So he got, got knocked, knocked out. out. Uh, and, and listen, he wasn't ready. round one, first round knockout. Yeah, yep. he listen. People, good fighters can get knocked out in one round. I know that sounds funny, but you get caught cold. You never get a chance to get into it. Those things happen. Um, sometimes you have to put an asterisk next to one round knockouts. But anyway, he he gets he gets knocked out. So a lot of people lost faith in him. I, I believe he was being promoted early by top rank, I believe. Um, I think he was. And then they might have let him go um, after that. I'm pretty sure they they you know they probably just released him um, if my memory serves me correct I believe he was with Top Rank whatever promoter was they released him after that loss from you know thinking he's not going to be what they want him to be and but guys mature guys get better guys learn from losses he's a guy that matured he's a guy that got better um, and he's a guy that learned. And they, they gave him more time to develop. He wasn't ready at that point. Like I said, he turned pro very young. And I don't know that he was mentally or physically completely ready. Now he's in there with, with Gorsha. Gorsha was an Olympian. And so he was in there with a real guy. It was, it was, a, you know, it was a fight that figured to be competitive. The problem was for the first, I don't know, seven rounds of the fight, um, you could have done tabulation of punch numbers um, with one hand while you were eating a banana. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just... Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, let me... Uh, that means I'm right. Every time the phone rings, it means that Teddy hit it right. That, that was right. Um, I'll put it off. There it is. Just for you, Ken. Somebody else, let it, I let it ring. So... I mean, the punch numbers were so bad. I mean, they, they weren't throwing punches. If you, I mean, if you could do punch numbers with one hand eating a banana, that means you got like one finger loose. And <laughs> it means there's not much going on. There's not much action going on. Well, there wasn't much action going on, you know. Uh, I think one of the uh, announcers, I had to laugh, uh, one of the announcers actually said something, don't hold me to it perfect, but said something... <laughs> Oh my God! Said something like, um, "Well, let's see who, let's see who won that round, or, or let's see who how the uh, something about like almost like implying that it would help us understand who won the round or something." Um, let's go to the punch numbers. Um, <laughs> punch stats. Lubin, yeah, Lubin threw three and Gorsha threw two. <laughs> what? I, I what he. Go, why bother? You, yeah. you don't know who. I mean, I, I tell you right there. I'm, I'm retired from ringside commentary for the moment. But I tell you right there who won it. The referee. <laughs> the, the referee. He won it. Give it to him. Give it to him. He deserves it for staying in so close to such a boring situation. He deserved <laughs> it. Give it to him. So, so I mean, it was, oh, it was pretty bad. Right? So, but then after the eighth round, it, it picked up a little bit. Matter of fact, there was a moment where Gorsha was winning probably every round. And, uh, not Gorsha, Lubin was winning every round. And Gorsha hurt him a little bit, actually, in the late rounds. I don't know what round it was, 10th, 11th, whatever it was. Um, 
it was he hurt him a little bit. So it, it picked up at the end. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it was it was pretty much all Ruben. Uh, neither guy was really doing much, especially Gorshi wasn't. He was doing like Mickey Duff, the great, great, great Mickey Duff. God bless him, he's gone. One of the greatest boxing minds of all time, and I was close to him. He used to say, Teddy, these pun these fighters are throwing punches as though they paid for them. <laughs> and they're very frugal. <laughs> they're, they're cheapskates. Yeah. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, my mother used to say, oh, this guy throws around nickels like they're manhole covers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of like, that's kind of like what Mickey was saying, that uh, these guys throw punches, you know, like, like you're paying for them and, and they're cheapskates. Uh, and that's what it was. It was, I'll tell you, some of these are, see, they don't understand some of these people that are matchmakers or whatever they are or the executives in the business. They say, oh, we got decent records. It's going to be a good fight. No, it's not. You have styles make fights. Yeah. You have to understand that. And and I would always say, how come these guys don't get somebody that they can have as the matchmaker, the comment, the 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 guy that advisor to the matches before we buy them? Like, should we buy this fight? Should we buy it? Is it going to be what it's supposed to be? Something that the fans are going to appreciate? See. You know, and that's the advantage Dana White has, is that he makes the decisions. He says, no, it's uh, it's not going on here unless it's going to be a competitive fight. And the last thing I'll leave you with to, to bring it up Dana White and bring it up to UFC is that's why you can get guys. In boxing, you don't get it, really, but uh, because they don't make the matches that way. But if you know what you're doing and you know what you're trying to accomplish... That's why in the UFC you can get a guy with X amount of losses and he still can beat a guy that's undefeated or be in there with a guy because he learned how to fight. And it's not a death sentence. In boxing, it's like a death sentence. It's like like in old days when we used to say a cop does something wrong, he gets sent to a, a post in Siberia. Yep. He's, he's walking a post in Siberia. Yeah, you're never going to hear from him again. Well, in boxing, you lose a certain amount, and it's the same thing. You get put in that post in Siberia. Not in the UFC. You get awarded for it because as long as you can fight, as long as you learn from those losses and you prove that you're competitive at that level, you're, you're going to get put right back in at that level. Yeah. You're not going to be sent out to the farm. That's the thing. And, and your sport's going to benefit from it. Yeah. Anyway, can you, your hair looks good, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Looks I'm due good. for a cut. I um, No, it is getting a little long, but it's, it's nice. No, if, it's nice. It's dark. it's dark, too. It's dark. I just I want, like to, I want to remind everyone, if they want to learn some of the more fundamentals on boxing, check out Dynamic Striking, um, shows presented by those guys. Uh, the, the, the product you put out for them is awesome. So if you want to learn some technical uh, aspects of boxing from Teddy, check them out at dynamicstriking.com. And with that, Teddy, unless you got anything else before we sign off? No, we, we, I think we covered it all, Ken. Yep. Um, try to... Get out there and catch those waves before they're gone. Yep. Um, the, you probably out in California there, you probably still got 
let's see, let me look at my whoop. <laughs> uh, you probably still have some daylight you've still got some time definitely well listen uh, we've got give my, guys, give my best give my best to your family i will of course same to you um and guys with that we've got some really exciting things coming up in the pipeline uh, i don't want to give you any spoilers but uh, please stay tuned and thanks for being with us teddy thanks for doing this and uh, we'll be back with you guys real soon take care